Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hey everyone, welcome back to Heels in the Courtroom. I'm Mary Simon, and today I'm joined by Erica Slater and Amy Gunn. Hey ladies. Hello. Hey. So I am here unapologetically, <laughs> and I hope you all, you all are too. Today we're going to be talking about how to stop apologizing. And this this topic kind of came to me because I was spending time with my two-year-old and she dropped her stuffed animal and looked at the ground at her stuffed animal and said, I'm sorry. And I looked at her and just thought to myself, oh, my God, it can't be happening that she's apologizing to her stuffed animals. (laughs) She has to clearly be hearing someone apologizing all the time, constantly. And I, I want her to have an understanding of you know, what actually warrants an apology and what doesn't. And I sat down and kind of did an inventory for myself. And as you guys can see, I have a massive bullet point list on the paper in front of me. And I was thinking about things I apologize for. This took me maybe, maybe 60 seconds to write. Texting someone back late, texting someone back early, texting someone. Walking by someone in the grocery store, existing in the grocery store, sending a short email, (laughs) sending a long email, sending an email, getting sick, having an opinion, calling someone too late, calling someone too early, calling someone, asking too many questions, asking too little questions, asking any questions, scheduling (laughs) conflicts, saying no to invitations, having boundaries. I one time apologized to a refrigerator when I bumped into it. (laughs) The gate at my house making noise when I close it for not understanding what someone is saying to me, for squeezing by someone, for requesting anything, asking for anything, for having allergies, for rescheduling, for scheduling, for my work calendar, for speaking too loudly, for speaking too softly, for venting, for being too young, for being too old, and for ordering alternative creamers at Starbucks, (laughs) for not knowing something, for knowing something. One time I apologized for how my hair looked when I went to my hair appointment. (laughs) I do it almost every time. I can't, I, I, it's insane. It drives me crazy when I think about how much I apologize. I probably will apologize on this podcast just intuitively because it's just something that I've learned to do over time. And women have historically and still today to some degree are expected to excel at girl skills and set high goals. And part of that I think is being polite and not being too loud and not doing any of the things that are on my list that I regularly apologize for. We should mention that you air quoted girl skills. Oh, yeah. Girl (laughs) skills, air quotes, big time air quotes. And the funny thing about it is that I I was reading about this and the air quote girl, girl goals or how to be ladylike requires a lot of apologizing. But the thing is, I I don't it's not like I want to sit here and say I want to achieve air quote boy goals. I just have goals. And getting to those goals require me to do a lot of things that are on this list that I apologize for, and I don't need to be apologizing for them. And this is not to say that men aren't apologetic by any means, but one of the things I found when I was researching this was a PubMed article or a study. It came out in 2010, and it was testing what systematic evidence there was for men and women apologizing. And the findings suggested that men apologize less frequently because they have a higher threshold of what constitutes offensiveness, offensive behaviors. One of the examples was, think about the way that a female will send an email about rescheduling. When I send one, it's oftentimes something like, hey, everyone, 
so sorry for the inconvenience, but the meeting that we had scheduled at one now has to be moved to three because this and this and this came up. Uh, Again, I apologize for the inconvenience. Please let me know if you have any questions. Here's my number. I hope the new time works for everyone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) When a man sends the email, generally, I'm speaking generally again here, it will say, the meeting at one is now at three, (laughs) period. No apologies. And I I really want to work on this for myself. And I know now that I'm here with my two mentors at this office, two of them anyway, I know that you two apologize less than I do because I always try to think of how you two would phrase things in emails, especially emails or just day-to-day communications. I hear the way that you two talk to other people and the way you carry yourselves in a way that's less apologetic, so to speak, than than how I do. And I'm I'm working at it, but I'm sure you can relate to the stuff that I've been talking about. And I want to open kind of open the discussion up for ways that we can stop apologizing so much or if this is something you actively had to take note for yourself in your practice. But what do you guys think? Well, so a couple of years ago, and I think we even talked about this on the podcast when we were talking about emails, I feel like there's been this like, you know, stop apologizing in emails, like article or something going around professional women's groups. And when I heard that, I immediately started to analyze, you know, the first sentence of an email, for example, that you are asking for something. And I also often started them with, I'm sorry, or I just wanted to, you know, say blah, blah, blah. And I started paying attention to it, and I started practicing trying to work those things out of my language of just emails. And and that seems like a very simple thing. So, for example, instead of, I'm sorry that, you know, I haven't gotten back to you, it's, thank you for your patience, (laughs) you know? And I, I think we've talked about that just as a switch. But that is a very... I feel for me, that was the tip of the iceberg. So I I used to apologize more and kind of this, I feel like it's kind of this socialization of women to like apologize for your space. Like, have you ever been like in the, in the like beverage line or something like at a baseball game and, you know, some guy comes over or is in your space and you're like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, oh, I'm standing here. I would do that when I was younger for sure. For me, my experience was just by paying attention to that in one thing, then it helped my brain kind of start analyzing it in other spaces. And I agree 110%, Mary, my wife and I, you know, raising our two little girls who are two and four, especially that four-year-old, you're analyzing how you do things and how you talk in front of your kids because things that you kind of reflect on yourself and you're like, hey, I wish I didn't do that. You don't want to teach that to them or like be explaining like how could I explain to my kid like why I apologize for where I was standing? Like I'm pretty sure I have equal right to this ground in this beer line. (laughs) And quite frankly, I bet I need it worse (laughs) than the guy in front of me. So, yeah, it it makes you analyze that stuff over and over again. It's a multifactorial thing about how you get to where that becomes part of your social interactions, where it becomes part of your speech and language. I think the Midwest, 
has a pretty unique socialization when it comes to that as far as kind of that passive nature and, you know, kind of that. We're just taught to be less direct, I think. And and obviously, I mean, that's kind of a cliche, but I and I have learned that it's part and parcel of becoming more direct, saying what you mean, giving your the person who is receiving your communication, you know, whether it's an email or someone you're talking to, giving them the, what I think is courtesy of being direct, saying what you mean. If you're saying like, oh, I'm sorry that, you know, sorry for the inconvenience. I'm so sorry we're moving the meeting. But what you really mean is, hey, can y'all stop whining? All we're doing is moving a meeting. But you've come at it of, oh, you know, it's it's my fault. Like, thank you for your tolerance. You know, it, yeah. it's it's a more direct communication, whether you get into the psychology of why we're always, you know, apologizing. If you leave that out, it's even a more direct communication to work some of that out and just say what you mean. Like, this meeting has to be moved, you know, using that example. This meeting has to be moved. Thank you for your patience. Your attention. Your, your patience. Yeah. Thanks for your cooperation. Thanks, thanks for understanding. Ad- thanks in advance for your cooperation. That's yes, my favorite. That, I that's love that. Like, that's like the opposite of passive. It's like you will be <laughs> cooperating. And you will like. Or it's the, others, it's, the, it's the other side. It's not, sorry for the, the inconvenience, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm passively telling you that you will cooperate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the anxiety around that and trying to change that behavior, I mean, that's real. I've found in my own practice that... I changed one little thing at a time, and then I started noticing it. I think the first step is identifying the problem, <laughs> which you have I'm done there. I'm very there. well. But I also, I'm going to push back a little bit on whether it, it's this horrible thing to do. Too much of it, sure. I think it can be polite to apologize if you've done something wrong. The trick is, what is that? So I find myself, and and y'all, I'm an arrogant asshole, and, and I am. I am. I temper it well most days. But mostly, my gut reaction is not to apologize for anything ever. <laughs> and my husband will vouch for that. I'm in trouble for that quite often. When I look at things that I think actually deserve my definition of an apology which is a true apology, not just, you know, words to fill or a, a reaction, I guess I should say, is when I promise to do something and I can't meet that promise, or if I do something that I said I wasn't going to do. So, for example, it could be as easy as I'm supposed to have lunch at 1230 and I get there at 1235. I'm going to walk into that lunch and apologize because I said I was going to be there at 1235. 1230 and I didn't get there until 1235. I think that's rude. And so I will apologize whether I've sent a text ahead of time, whether I've got a great reason for it, I'm going to apologize. I think that's appropriate. If I have told someone that this is going to happen and it doesn't happen, I feel like that's a legitimate reason to apologize. Just changing logistics or dynamics, no way am I going to apologize? Erica, and I, I do remember our conversation, I think it was a podcast, about I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for that, in particular to getting back to someone in time. 
I have taken that to heart, and I love the I appreciate your patience because I think that is a nice way to start. Now, I will, though, and I find myself very much my apologies for this delayed response. That's my kind of go-to phrase right now. For some reason, saying my apologies feels a little softer than I'm sorry. (laughs) Please excuse the delay. Please excuse the delay. Yes. Because I think that is, even if I have, like I was out of town most of this week and I have an out of office reply that says I'm out of town. And yet there were still a couple of emails to a couple of people, depending on who they are, where I did get back to them within the week, even though my out of office reply said I'm gone for the week. And I started with my apologies for the delay. And again, I think that's situational. But the pushback for me really comes with, is it that bad to be seen as someone who is polite and is not scared to apologize or just finds that it's easier to get what he or she wants if you start out in that way? Okay, so maybe you're actually coming to the situation having done something wrong. Okay, I'm late. I promise you something. I can't get it. And I'm not talking about apologizing when you bump into the refrigerator. Right. (laughs) Okay, we're going to throw those things out. So, but maybe if we can dig into ways that I think it is appropriate and not weak to apologize, maybe if you kind of set the stage there, then the rest of it kind of falls away. But I also am not going to think that you're a weak person just because what is a natural thing for you to say and has been for your entire life is to say, you know, pardon me or excuse me or I'm sorry. I'm not judging you as a weak or ineffective person because that's a language that you use. You can set those boundaries yourself. Like I have said, or I don't like to disappoint people. I don't like to be unreliable. And if I've told someone something and I can't make it, then to me, that feels like it's, it's appropriate to apologize or please excuse or whatever the language you want to be. But I was reading an article actually this week, a New York Times article. It's called, Women Know Exactly What They're Doing When They Use, quote, Weak Language, close quote. And it was July 31st, 2023, Adam Grant in this New York Times opinion. And he's a psychologist at Wharton. And, you know, we're, we're told, don't use weak language. You sound weak when you hedge or you say things, I might be wrong, but maybe sort of, what do you think about this? Instead of just saying it. And it's the difference between assertive, passive, and aggressive. Okay, so you go from passive to assertive to aggressive. I think most of us would, would hope that we kind of fall into the assertive category versus the aggressive category or the passive category. And the passive is oh, I'm really sorry. What do you think about this? The aggressive is this. And the past, <laughs> and assertive is sort of in between, which would you kind of use hedge language. I think this. What do you think? Because you're giving them the answer, but you're allowing a little bit of, okay, I'm open-minded. I'm open-minded. And the, the point of this article is that it's not a bad thing because – Studies have shown that when you're talking with someone who is aggressive, it's off-putting. If I'm using a little bit of weak language or hedge language, and someone else beside me is making that same argument in an aggressive way, studies have shown that the audience prefers me, 
prefers my a little bit softer language. And if the point is to be persuasive, and my point of doing everything in my life is to get what I want, to get my way. Right. And if to get my way, I choose weak language or start with an apology, then who cares? I'm thinking of a certain opposing counsel mm-hmm. that I have been dealing with lately who's extremely aggressive yes. on very inconsequential points. Pretty sure we know who you're talking about. Sure. <laughs> How does that look in front of a jury? How do you take that study and and use that as far as female lawyers in the courtroom? Mary, your dad, I watched the closing in the case you and your medmal case you and your dad yeah. tried recently. And you guys were trying the case as a clear liability med mal case. I mean, they basically admitted it. The defense experts admitted liability. And the way your dad did it, I thought he was stumbling through it. And then I realized, like, oh, no, he knows exactly what he's doing. Right. Mm-hmm. It, because it. I thought he was kind of like, well, you know, if you look at this, you know, I, I just don't I just don't really think. There's much dispute here, but, you know, what do I know? But, like, I think if you get back there, you probably won't have much disagreement. You know, that's what I think. But, you know, and he was in that language, you know, that this is what I think, but, you know, it's really it's really up to you. I, I was kind of like, that is the anti mm-hmm lawyer right like yes let me tell you how it is I'm gonna drill it in I'm gonna say it so confidently as if you know I'm beyond reproach and I have to think that that's I mean that style is kind of fits in to all of this and whether if you're using kind of equivocal language sometimes whether that the intention and I'm sure the article kind of gets to this is the intention consensus building and keeping conversation flowing and open as opposed to what you're saying an aggressive like this is how it's going to be is not going to get you what you need yes yeah it's a I see a both and in what you're saying because on one hand I'm hearing I think overall the message is use whatever language you need to use to accomplish whatever goal you want to accomplish That's the overall umbrella message in, I mean, anything that we do, whether it's just day-to-day errands or, you know, winning at trial. You just need to say what you need to say to get to the next task, so to speak. The other thing I was thinking listening to you is this concept of say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't say it mean. Ooh, Um, I like that. Remember at the beginning of the conversation when the PubMed article was talking about how men have less, they they categorize less as offensive. Yes. And when you're saying set your own boundaries with it, what I hear is you know what is offensive by your definition that you've been able, you know, when you're unreliable or when you can't meet a promise to the way that you promised it initially. And that pairs into an article that I was looking at, which was you have to be your authentic self. And apologizing for things that we don't apologize for just because it's filler or hedge language, that's the reason it could be bad is when it's not our authentic self. Yeah. When, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry for standing in line next to you. It's 
actually that I'm someone who would apologize, but it's actually not my authentic self to apologize for standing in a line with everyone else and taking up the space that I have a right to take up. But if I'm my authentic self, I'd only be apologizing if I, you know, knock the guy's drink over. over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and so it's 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 consistent, even though we're talking about it in different different contexts or different ways, but it's maintaining your most authentic self while not being mean as you're doing it. The Harvard Business Review, I think this was from one of their podcasts, and they were talking about if you apologize too much in a context where you're in a role of leadership, yeah. it could come off as not having the authority or not not being as trusting that you want your team to feel trust in you. It minimizes your confidence and it minimizes the contributions you're adding. So a, an example was if you're brainstorming around a conference table with your colleagues and you have something to say saying, I'm so sorry, can I just, can I, uh, sorry, can I, it, it immediately diminishes your, the thought that you want to add. Right. If you're apologizing for it, but that's, if, if you're being your most authentic self and it's to not apologize when you're adding a thought, then you shouldn't be apologizing in that moment if it's not something that's offensive by your own, you know, definition of it. But then I also think about that closing argument and it's that to me is a different, it's a different space of strategy where it's, mm -hmm. you are saying what you mean, you're meaning what you say, you're not saying it mean, but it also is a little bit collaborative in the, what do you think? It's kind of like, what do I know? <laughs> like wink. head nod, you know, the evidence. Wink, wink. You're smart enough to agree with me is right. essentially what that message is. is yeah. I don't I'm not telling you what to think, I, but this, this is, is clear. I yeah, I, I don't need to tell you what to think because I, I'm already confident enough that you think what I've been telling you. Yeah. That's what that mm -hmm. sort of approach tells me. And it's also very much aware of the next voice that is about to come up after you know, you're done speaking in a closing argument, at least as a plaintiff's attorney. I think what this conversation is going to cause me to do is kind of have a, in in a moment where I otherwise would just have filler language of apologizing, which truly I'm recognizing just by having my daughter, Nora, honestly, it's she's just a sponge now. And I, I think it'll cause me to do some reflection of what is my definition of offensive conduct and it doesn't even have mm -hmm. to be you know crazy offensive conduct but i i agree that if i say i'm going to be somewhere at one and i'm there at 115 that's rude i should apologize for that according to my own value system for our listeners who might be at various points of you know their careers and thinking about the ways that they apologize i wanted to give some examples to them of situations and it's easy for me to come up with them because it's stuff that I still apologize for even though I don't want to and how to change the phrasing that you use I I will say that I have directly used language that I've seen both of you Erica and Amy use in emails and just put it in my brain of what to say the next time especially when dealing with you know a difficult opposing counsel and one of them is and I'm I'm curious to hear what you all say I have heard, Eric, I've heard you say this in meetings before. Let me say this. Let me get this thought out. You mean if someone's interrupting me? Yes, I've heard you say that. And I love that because I tend to get quiet 
especially if it's a room of men. I just still, I still do it. And I. That's, that's just defense attorneys interrupting me. It's my knee jerk now. Like but when I get interrupted. Oh, but it's not mean, like, Erica. Yeah. It's not no, mean. No, it's just, it's just politely pointing out that you're interrupting me. And it's, I'm still. Yes. I'm, my brain I'm is working. Talking. My brain is working 10 seconds ahead of my mouth. And like, I need to get to the end of saying what my mouth needs to say. And then it's your turn. <laughs> yeah. But I've, I've heard you say that before, though. And it's, it stops the other person from talking. Let me finish my thought. Let me get this out. I love that one. The ways that I still apologize in conversations includes, sorry, I didn't remember. Sorry, I don't have that information right now. Sorry, can I add something before we finish? I still say all of those things. And I'm wondering how to flip that language a little bit. Is sorry, I don't have the answer right now mean I will get it? Yeah, that sounds good. I'll write that that, one down. Let me get that to you. (laughs) Let Let me me get get that to you after the meeting. Not, I'm sorry, I don't have it now. Or if you don't remember something that you are, I mean, just anything. We don't remember anything if it's not on our calendars or like, uh, you know, on a post-it on our forehead. If you if you don't remember, you know, sorry, I can't remember. Can you remind me? Blah, blah, blah. The amount of times I say that in a given day, you guys, drives me nuts. I'm annoyed. My own voice annoys me when I say, sorry, can you remind me? Please tell me you know about the... Amy Schumer video. No. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> All I of do. our listeners need to Google Amy Schumer, I'm sorry, women. I'll show it to you right after this. It is hilarious. It's like a panel discussion being moderated by oh, Amy I Schumer. I think I talked about Amy and Liz once, so and I good. said, this is how I feel today. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Oh, yes. Oh, no, you go. Like, oh, she sorry. hit the mic. She hit the mic. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh sorry. Sorry. No, you go. Sorry. Sorry. That is my own internal. When I am not on my game, that is my internal dialogue. And by the end of the day, I just can't wait to go to bed so I don't have to hear myself apologize anymore. Oh, Mary. I, mean, I know. I don't, I, th- I don't think I knew this was such a, like, thing for you. And I get it. Um, and I think... That, Amy, when you're talking about, like, how apologizing can be polite and I think a sincere apology, of course, of course. I mean, you'd have to be, you know, some kind of crazy pants to, like, never apologize and recognize when in the small, not you, Amy. <laughs> well, I mean, no, but I could be. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's that my, could be that my goal is that, that right follow now. follow up when she I, said I never apologize. <laughs> I can't be saying, like, if you never well, apologize. But, but it, you know what I mean? But it could also be the non-apology apology. I'm sorry you feel this way. Oh, that's I'm worse. sorry that you took this the wrong way or all that. I'm careful not to do that because yeah. I got tagged on saying that for a We'll do a time. different episode on how to actually apologize yeah, to yeah. someone. But yeah. I mean, I'm so bad. Like I can't even, I, as I said before, I can't even say I'm sorry. Like those words are it hard to me. come out of my mouth. I say things like, please accept my apologies. To me, that is a softer apology. Oh, I asked or I forgiveness say, before, the, before the apology. <laughs> Please forgive me. But most of the times, I won't even say, please accept my apology. I'll just say, my apologies, and then talk. Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the opposite of you, Mary. I think I know, I'm but my, that the is opposite. Where, <laughs> I just, and not I am, in a good way. I am just telling you, I, 
I dropped a cup on the ground and my daughter said, I'm sorry, the other day. <laughs> I can't. We're not doing that. Like, that ends here. So I can't do that anymore. So maybe from now on, I just need her to be in public spaces with me while I'm like bumping into people and stuff. And not... You didn't do it. And not apologizing yeah. for it. I just... it's. Can you just stop and... I mean, is it just a mental take a beat before... Is it just so spontaneous? I, I, I will tell you the thing that I've now will think about is, is this, is what I just did offensive by my own definition of what is offensive? 99% of the time, it is not. No, it is not. Hmm. No. I want you to know also, Mary, anytime you've like seen our emails, especially if it's like one that needs to be artfully drafted, I've probably wrote it two or three times and taken out. out 75%. Good to know. Like yeah. this morning, I had an opposing counsel like not giving me something in an expert deposition that I clearly get. And I was saying, I'm not starting that deposition of your expert that you're paying a thousand bucks an hour until you get me that. So great. And I asked for it several times yesterday. I was ignored. Too bad. And so my email this morning was that we're not starting the deposition until I get X. And I started it off. I think I may have said, an, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but we're not starting the deposition until, and then I took that out and just, I mean, I rewrote it like three times because I didn't want it to have the effect of, you know, a big that this middle is your finger. Fault somehow. Well, that. Why would I, you apologize for something that's not your fault? But I also needed them to work with me. I just needed what I needed. Yes. I, and needed, I needed, I needed my email to not just be a, you know, take a hike. You guys are awful. Why are you bad yeah, at your job? You needed to get to your goal. Right. Right. You said what exactly. you wanted to say and you didn't say it mean. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And I and I knew it wasn't my fault and I wasn't asking for anything. I think when you have to ask or repeat or assert yourself when you feel like you shouldn't have to, I think sometimes you kind of second I second guess myself like, am I asking for something I shouldn't? Yeah, like you. you know that I'm not entitled to here. Like, do I need to check myself here? <laughs> no, you don't. I do not. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you do not. I rarely, rarely <laughs> do. And when I do, then I tell them like, I talked to my work dad, and he said <laughs> I talked to my work mom, and they said I'm my demand is very reasonable. <laughs> so are you going to settle this case? <laughs> I'm take the opportunity to do the right thing, <laughs> offering it to you. Yes. Well, Mary, I think it's. Probably, and listen to all my weak language, I think probably, but I, it, it might be that you am, are now aware of it. And like I said at the very beginning, sometimes it's the, you just have to identify the issue, talk about it, and you'll say it, and you'll catch yourself. And I, I really believe that if you do that enough times, you'll stop. Good you. And if and I ever will see too. you apologizing on a text message, I'll just let you know. Yeah. yeah. Do you want it to be, to be like called out on like it. thumping the table every time you say I'm sorry? No. Yeah. Yeah. I but also so. remember, I'm not sure it's the worst thing ever. Really, what I think you're worried about is that it makes you seem weak. It makes you seem not confident, not secure in your opinions, starting out in a subservient position. And I think those things can be true in certain contexts. But I wouldn't beat myself up too much if, you know, 
if you're in a situation and something didn't go right, even though it's not your fault, you'd apologize maybe to de-escalate, maybe to just not start something. Maybe you see somebody who's, I mean, I think there are plenty of contexts where it is a very appropriate, if not necessary thing to say, just again, to get to your goal. Right. Which is whatever the goal may be, the most direct path there could sometimes be an apology or just some language that seems diminutive. But again, it gets you to where you want to go. Yeah, I have a lot to think about. But I'm not going to apologize that I have to think about this. I won't. Take all the time you need without apologizing. (laughs) Well, this has helped me a lot, and I hope it has helped our listeners figure out ways that they can apologize less if they need to be apologizing less (laughs) in their day-to-day life. Maybe we'll all just walk around saying, sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Maybe that'll help me. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. Don't forget our episodes drop on Wednesdays and you can reach out to us with questions or comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law. Thanks. Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by the Simon Law Firm. At the Simon Law Firm PC, we believe in the power of pooling resources in order to create powerful results. We often lend our trial skills and experience to lawyers around the country to achieve better results for their clients. Our attorneys welcome the opportunity to work with you on your case, offering vast resources, seasoned litigators, and a sterling reputation. You can contact us at 314-241-2929. And if you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to share your thoughts with Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and Megan at heelsinthecourtroom.law. And subscribe today because the best lawyers never stop learning.